This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, October 21st, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. The problem with your health care is that you are not the customer. That's the case for more than 100 million consumers of American health care, according to David Goldhill. Goldhill's father died of a hospital-acquired infection. Goldhill was thus sent on a two-year journey to discover why markets function so poorly in America's health care sector. He published his discoveries in the September 2009 issue of the Atlantic Monthly. We spoke October 1st. Information technology is frequently offered as the thing uh, that's going to ring out a bunch of uh, savings in the healthcare system. And a point you made at the uh, forum is that given the way the healthcare system is structured right now, you could give information technology, make a government investment in information technology, and uh, probably still wouldn't be used. Well, I think a lot of people who talk about information technology in healthcare are not as familiar with how it works outside of healthcare. Um, the reason my local sushi bar gave its waiters handheld ordering devices was not because of the uh, National Sashimi Act passed by Congress. Uh, that act didn't pass. It's because they want to get the orders right and quickly. They capture some of that benefit, and by the way, the customer captures some of the benefit, right, of that fairly simple thing. The lack of information technology investment in healthcare is not the problem, it's a symptom. Throughout the entire rest of our economy, no matter how prosaic, how simple the business, or how complex the business, uh, information technology has revolutionized service, quality, and cost. The fact that in healthcare you can have things such as a RAND study that says we spend $40 billion on in information technology, we're likely to save $30, $35 billion a year, maybe more, is treated as, oh, so that's the answer, let's spend $40 billion on information technology, instead of what it really is, which is what kind of industry with an 80% return on capital isn't making the investment and why? Information technology is all about application. It's not about putting a box on someone's desk. It's how they're used. What the lack of investment in this industry, and this industry pretty much alone among all industries tells you, is that nobody is in an economic position to capture the benefits of higher quality, lower costs, more portability of records. Why is no one in the position to capture that? We have a supposedly private sector healthcare business, or, or industry, I should say, or industries. If you have a symptom that screams, nobody benefits enough from this to invest in it, you better figure out what the underlying disease is before you throw a bunch of boxes on people's desks. And unfortunately, the reaction has been more, oh, we spend $40 billion on healthcare technology, there's $40 billion of savings a year. That's not what's going to happen. The same people who weren't incented to benefit from quality service and lower costs are still not incented to benefit from those just because you threw a box on their desk. The, the purpose of insurance since... I assume wage and price controls of the 1940s, creating employer an employer-based system of health insurance. Um, that seems to be uh, that seems to have changed in the minds of basically every American. How do you how do you think about that? Well, you know, insurance is another case where healthcare is an island. Insurance is a financial product, right? It's a way of financing something, really spreading risk. And throughout the rest of our economy, insurance is used for things that are rare, unpredictable, and major. That's it. You can't insure against ordinary expenses or things you can plan. Even, even life insurance, you're not insuring against dying. You're insuring against dying young. Um, and, and that's important because insurance is very expensive from an administrative perspective. 
and involves enormous amounts of moral hazard, which is when you have insurance, you're more likely to engage in whatever it is you're insuring against than if you don't. This is known throughout everything, which is why you, you, can't, get, you can't get redecoration insurance for your house because you'd redecorate every year. Now, in healthcare, insurance has gone from what it started out being, which is protection against the very rare, very major medical events that can change a family's financial and obviously physical well-being to something we now use to fund basically every expense. In fact, when people talk about health care, they increasingly are talking about health insurance. How many times have you heard a politician say 15% of the country has no health care when they mean they have no health insurance? Unfortunately, all of the perverse effects of insurance that explain why it's not used outside of health care for anything but the catastrophic take place in health care because we use it for everything. Look, I can tell you, I've been uninsured and insured throughout my career. When I'm uninsured, I am very careful about what I spend. I negotiate with doctors and providers. Uh, I'm much, I demand to see the bill ahead of time. I want to know what something charges. When I get referred for a procedure, I want to know that it's the cheapest procedure, not just the one owned by the doctor. And when I'm insured, I don't care. And I, I can admit that for myself. It's not a matter of, as many think, look, you have no choice whether or not you get cancer. If you get cancer, you need, you need care. That's obviously true. But at the margin... And the margin's very, very big with healthcare. Insuring everything takes away one of the key disciplines uh, in healthcare and in anything else, which is a consumer who's paying attention to price. I, you know, have negotiated tons of healthcare treatments. I've had one I'm uninsured, and I can tell you that this is a system that relies very heavily on somebody else is always paying. And you know, many of us when we go to the doctor now, we ask the doctor not what does it cost, but what's my share. And what's my share leads to very different decisions. We know there's a lot of excess health care in this country. I've seen estimates anywhere from a quarter to a third of our health care is unnecessary. And by the way, unnecessary doesn't just mean a waste of money. It also means subjecting people to procedures, all of which have potential complications and potential side effects, that are negative. What is going to get that extra care out of the system? Governments haven't done it. Insurers haven't done it. Employers haven't done it. The way it works the rest of their economy is insurers have a little more, uh, individuals, excuse me, have more skin in the game. They're the only ones who probably can bring that discipline to the system. You pointed out in the forum, and I think it came as something of a surprise to the people who were there, you're a Democrat, and uh, you voted for Hope and Change in 2008. How do you evaluate the healthcare debate that was going on in 2008 and continues now uh, in Washington? Well, look, it's very e easy to blame politicians uh, for the state of our healthcare debate. I think on all sides of this issue, at least as publicly discussed, it's fundamentally irrelevant. We have a collapsing building, and we're arguing about how many stories we're going to add to it. Uh, at some point, very, very soon, just the enormous weight of the costs built into a system that has no price discipline uh, is, is going to require us to rethink healthcare. That point may not be yet. But the biggest problem in the healthcare debate is not uh, either this administration or its opposition. The biggest problem is the 55% of Americans who are happy with what they have and tell pollsters that. I'm happy with the coverage I have. If you're happy with your healthcare coverage, it's only because you don't know what it costs. The average uh, insured employee in America is costing his company this year $13,500 per year. That's all coming out of wages. There's no other place it's coming from. 
You know, in a place where the median income is $50,000 a year, median household income, that's an extraordinary percentage of your compensation going into healthcare. If you're happy with that, I doubt you know that's the number. I also doubt you realize how much having people represent you at each stage of your interaction with the system is costing you in terms of quality. The, 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 the very sad and difficult truth of our healthcare spending is for all of the amount we're spending on healthcare, we have no evidence whatsoever it's improving our health. You know, one of the things I talked about at the very beginning of my article is not just how we now use health insurance as a substitute for health care, but increasingly we use health care as a substitution for health. Americans' health is not getting any better despite spending all this money. There's no relationship whatsoever between the spending, uh, I shouldn't say none, but very, very little relationship between all the spending and results. And so until we're, uh, you know, as voters, as, as a public, more aware that the system we've built is probably costing us a lot of money in terms of money, quality, service, to maintain an illusion that somehow somebody out there is paying for our care other than us, until we're ready to recognize that that's what this is about, there's not going to be the real kind of change in reform we need. There always seems to be an interest group ready to stand up for what they stand to lose uh, with any change in the healthcare system. And as I evaluate it, it, it seems almost impossible to get to a true market-based uh, system of healthcare and health insurance um, without having to basically have the whole world against you in, in one way or another. Look, I think uh, obviously the politics of this are very complicated. But I, I, I think they're particularly complicated by the fact that many of us believe uh, that we're better off for what we have. And I don't mean the big industry trade groups. I mean the average American. You know, one of the statistics that was most striking to me uh, is it looks like the average senior citizen now pays more of his income out of pocket than he did before Medicare. That's an extraordinary statistic because the whole purpose of Medicare was to take that risk, that exposure to health care out of the minds and lives of seniors. It's failed to do that. I don't think you can find a senior citizen, as you can see by some of the anger in these town halls, who doesn't feel exposed uh, on health care, even after I think it's something like $5 trillion of spending on Medicare. But yes, what we're talking about here is real fundamental reform. And it's not just fundamental reform about how we pay for health care. It's got to be about what we really think health care is, how it relates to health, what are the trade-offs. So let me give you an example. I, I ask friends of mine in the public health field all the time, would we be healthier if we spent another $100 billion on health care or if we just gave, gave everyone a week off, extra week off a year? The reality is more than half of our deaths now because of all the advances in medicine, are about things that lifestyle has as much to do with longevity as medical care. Now, again, not in the wide public awareness that when you look at things like, you know, obviously heart disease and diabetes and lung cancer and accident and homicide, that these things are as much about lifestyle at this point as they are about healthcare. And all the resources we throw into healthcare are resources taken away from lifestyle. It comes from somewhere. But you're absolutely right. The politics of this 
are until there's a massive awareness that all of our individual stories about how screwed up healthcare is translates into a broader sense of, you know, we've created an island that's not serving our needs, there's not going to be fundamental change. Healthcare is one of those strange beasts in which everybody hates the system, but many people like their own plan. And the reason I wrote my article is to try to convince those people who like their own plan, they only like it because they don't understand it. They don't understand how truly costly it is to them. David Goldhill is CEO of the Game Show Network and author of the Atlantic Monthly cover story, How American Healthcare Killed My Father. You can watch or listen to a Capitol Hill briefing featuring Goldhill at Cato.org.